0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome in to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Emma Holmes is on fire! Here's the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney and Dusty Likens.
2: And happy Wednesday to you, Jake Binkley, not the dustman, back in doing some Arrowhead Pride radio. Love doing this. And we have the Arrowhead Pride postgame show each week that Pete Sweeney kindly joins me at all hours of the night. Chiefs are on primetime. That's right. All the time. Theater in chief, arrowheadpride.com. Mr. Pete Sweeney. What's going on? Good evening, Pete. How are we doing? We're doing great because you went down and uh, brought somebody in. That's right. Somebody's usually called. Actually, Ron was even even when i was doing the show you were we'd still call you i do believe it got to that point but uh Ron Cop, the human jugs machine, the reverse Al Bundy, mm. in studio with us tonight. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Jay. I, well, I, four I, touchdowns in yeah. one game he had. You had six picks. I
3: yeah, hey, there, No one talks about the five-touchdown game. That's all I got to say. Well, Maybe I didn't call that, that game, that up, Ron. You know, I called the
2: game. Yeah, yeah. Four, four, touchdowns, touchdowns.
3: four passes, one rushing. Let's just,
2: let's just put <laughs> it that out there. It was beauty. He's had very generous legs. man. Very generous man. No, I was Jay, like, no, he's no, going to give a damn ball to me. Anyway, Arrowhead Pride Radio presented by Mark Ferguson, the attorney that's been helping KC sports fans with all their legal needs since 1990. Ninety-six integrity results. That's Mark Ferguson. Chiefs thirty-one, Chargers seventeen. Gentlemen, this was a game that, well, these games had been a lot closer between Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and you know Justin Herbert sitting there looking to get that, you know, chip off his shoulder playing Mahomes, and maybe people talk because talk, everybody's talking about in the off season. This is his chance. There's been some very, very close games with the Chargers. That team's got some issues, and I think it starts with their head coach. But uh, not able to prevail over the Chiefs.
4: No, this was a, a really good game I, I thought for Kansas City, and I think it was a you know everyone kind of relaxed type of effort where there were worries about what would the Chiefs would do when they face a good team. And granted, I I know the Chargers came in at two and three, but Jay, you see this team. I yeah. I think even despite their head coach, they're probably gonna. Teeter around 500 all year, make a push, maybe sneak into the playoffs. So I still think you were were dealing with a potential playoff team. And you just see the explosion from Travis Kelsey. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was a nice surprise. Rasheed Rice continues to progress. Probably would have liked to see more from the run game, but when you get more, more than 300 yards of passing before the first half, you kind of probably go with what's working there, and you come out of the game, and I think you feel pretty good about the Chiefs' offense. We were worried, oh, what are they going to do without a receiver? And then you you look up, Ron, and second in the league in passing, entering the – really the second half of the season
3: yeah and it is funny you mentioned you know the head coach Brandon Staley like the guy that's seen Travis Kelsey and Mahomes connect the most over the years you know is, and it actually has defended them pretty well you look at over the years you know Kelsey's had some you know slower performances he's had the game-winning plays but just look like they've never even seen that connection before yeah, it's two uh, best I mean
2: performances it, ever both
3: against this team yeah and this last one w- was the best but no you talk about the offense kind of having that that get right game. It's funny, like the defense, you know, obviously has been the story and, and had, a, you know, a good game this this week as well. But, you know, even they had some, you know, some stretches in that game where, you know, they were, they were giving up some things, a 50-yard touchdown run. And even they still locked down, gave up 17 points to a team that, you know, was a top 10 scoring offense. You know, a team that, you know, Justin Herbert was getting things done through the air. They forced two interceptions, a 68 passer rating this week on, just, uh, this week on Justin Herbert. So. You know, as much as the offense, you know, had that get right game, the defense almost had one of their worst performances of the year, and it was still a super impressive performance. That's just that just shows you how good they've been playing this year.
2: It's it's interesting. It's a stretch of playing the worst in the second worst defense, total defense, in three straight weeks for the Chiefs. If there's any way to get your kind of offense right? It's going against the number 32 defense, only to play the 31 defense and back to the 32 defense in three straight weeks. But back to what you're saying, Pete. I think this incredibly talented roster. I don't know why they can't figure it out. I think the Chargers are still a bit uh, – I'm not going to say a sleeping giant because it's starting to wake up, and the head coach still gets them nowhere in Brandon Staley, and you yeah. got to have this combination. Their roster's good. I, I do think it's the second-best team in the AFC West. I think they are going to look back at it and think about a wasted opportunities with Justin Herbert. These quarterbacks don't come around that often. I'm starting to have my doubts on Justin Herbert. Can he be that guy in the division that, that I feared the last couple well, of years? Because that was the knock on him coming out in the draft, Ron, was, was the fact that you know leadership was a great arm, smart guy's liking, but the leadership quotient was something people questioned because he never had the wow moment that was his big draft profile.
4: Yeah, I think the thing that, that bothers me about the, the whole Herbert situation is it it's seeming like Brandon Staley's going to get fired after this year. You know, we're talking about them making the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, even if they sneak in and lose, I think there's a chance that he gets fired. Absolutely. Which, you know, usually comes with the staff, and usually you're going to want to bring an offensive head coach at that point. So now you're looking at the third offensive coordinator for Justin Herbert in four years. I know we don't talk about Alex Smith that much anymore, but that was his whole problem at the beginning of his career with just the constantly changing uh, offensive system. And I don't know, I I look in Jacksonville and I think you got to throw that first year away with that disaster. And it's like, can Justin Herbert finally get an offensive coordinator stick? And then you can kind of see what kind of challenge he can provide. I I think it's tough. Uh, I think he ended up in a bad situation. That's why if you can swing it, it's a beautiful thing, as we know well in Kansas City, where you can win and then you decide, oh, you know what? We think that this quarterback that is going to go around 10 is generational you trade up and then you have a great roster great coaching staff around them it's just for a lot of these qbs they enter the league at a disadvantage it's why in college you're starting to see caleb williams and daddy being like look if this is the wrong wrong team we're not we're not going to come out because it, it matters how you how and where you start your career at I, again, I know it's a lot of excuses for Herbert, but it's just a it's an uphill battle when you're constantly changing coordinators and systems.
2: And the one thing is, Brenton Staley's got a defensive mindset. He was defensive coordinator right. of Rams, although he was a college quarterback, so he has the offensive blend too. But when you have a defense and you got Bosa on one side, Khalil Mack, and you get Derwin James patrolling that secondary, there's no. I mean, they brought in J.C. Jackson last year, that didn't work. But I don't understand this defense because that offense is good enough to win. If you just put a defense, but Brandon Staley hadn't been able to do that, it bodes well for the Chiefs that these guys, these other teams, this division, just not complete.
3: Well, no, I think it's a good point, though. Uh, you know what Pete brings up about you know the the you coming into like the wrong you know program. It's not just about talent. It's not just about you know getting your quarterback, a bunch of receivers around him, or a bunch of you know a good defense. It is about having the right coaching staff, the the, the right you know uh, you know my, mindset in the in the building each week. And you know I do think there's something to Brandon Staley, like. He's kind of shifted his kind of, you know, mindset. I feel like year to year, you know, we knew him as this like analytical guy, you know, at first he was super aggressive and then he, you know, he, he, you know, expressed that he was going to kind of come off that a little bit his next year. He's kind of just been, he's waffled on his approach a little bit. Um, and, and, it, and, and they've changed it up a little bit and it hasn't worked, right? I mean, you, you know, they were supposed to be, you know, this was supposed to be that, that you know, kind of next step. You know, they went to the playoffs last year. They should have won that playoff game. Obviously, they were up so many points. Then they hired Kellen Moore, you know, because, you know, the last year's uh, offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, was supposed to be the problem, right? That was supposed to be the scapegoat. Now you have, you know, a new offensive coordinator still not working. So I think it just bodes well that the Chiefs, you know, dominance in the AFC West is going to continue for a few more years. I know Sean Payton, I think he's going to get something going in Denver once they move past Russell Wilson. But that's going to still be a few more years.
2: I I personally feel Kellen Moore is actually the best head coach on that staff. He should be the head coach going forward.
3: Isn't that a kind of a, you know, a sensible solution that could happen? You know, hey, they, you know, we brought a new offensive coordinator you know, obviously, it's still not working. Hey, maybe we need to change the defensive part of it, and that's staly.
2: Just waiting for what other team in the AFC West can jump up and challenge the Chiefs. We just haven't seen uh, that part of it yet. All right, let's get to the injury report for the Kansas City Chiefs. Pete, uh, the one guy on the injury report um, well this week that uh, showed up today that was really interesting is Justin Watson. Yeah. He was back there practicing today, so he's <laughs> back there. Does that mean you think he's going to play this week or yeah. maybe a few snaps this wow. week? Maybe? No,
4: I do. I think he's right back in the mix. There's a reason they didn't put him on injured reserve. When you don't put somebody on injured reserve, that essentially means that you think he's, he's able to be back between the next one to three games. Didn't play last week. They eased off. And him logging a full participation is key uh, for for this game coming. And that means he's trending in the right direction to make a return, which is pretty remarkable. You saw how much pain he was after smacking his – uh, elbow off the ground and and was able to push through. Obviously, not severe damage. And what is interesting here is he's one of the most reliable receivers. I, he was the guy that everybody wanted to cut during training <laughs> camp, <laughs> and yeah. and the Chiefs uh, obviously kept him and and gave, have given him a bigger role here uh, now in year two. And if you really look at the snap counts of the receivers, the receivers have been the biggest conversation for the Chiefs all year. Justin Ross, uh, off the field stuff aside, I know we've kind of beaten that to death a little bit, but he had more snaps than Kadarius Tony. And now you put Justin Watson in the mix. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is coming off a big game. Justin Watson returns. you have Rasheed Rice, who is growing every week? They're not going to want to limit his snaps. So we talked a lot about Kadarius Toney, and we talked a lot about Sky Moore coming into this year. And you just wonder, are they just going to be a little bit phased out in, in this
2: type of game? You had snap counts on Twitter. You put out the uh, Pete from uh, last week's game: MVS forty-seven, Sky Moore forty-one, right. Rice forty, uh, Justin Ross seventeen, Kadarius Tony thirteen, and Hardman eleven. Um, So if Watson does play, would he expect the MVS to come way, way back? Sky Moore, a few, maybe a few from MVS, a few from Sky Moore.
4: Yeah, I I would say, Ron, and you can weigh in here too. I I think it's going to come out of Moore and and maybe Tony's pocket. You wonder how some of this off the field stuff affects Ross, but I think the leaders are going to be Watson, MVS, and Rice.
3: No, I mean, I I think the Tony thing was surprising to me to see him have less snaps because I do think he's still one of the best playmakers when he has the ball in his hands. But I think that tells you that they want to get these other guys, you know, running the routes more. Um, so, yeah, I think Tony is the obvious answer. Um, I think Sky is, though, one of the other answers because I was kind of looking forward to maybe Sky giving a little more leeway as a true outside perimeter receiver, running more downfield routes with Watson out, right? They kind of needed that second guy. But with him back in the mix, MVS and Watson are running really good downfield routes this year. You're, they're not, you're not seeing, you know, obviously a bunch of touchdowns. Pete, you mentioned today that it's only been two 20-plus yard touchdowns uh, since the beginning of the 20, uh, 2022 regular season. Wild stat, but... You know, they're still doing very well. Justin Watson's been very well in that role, doing very well. And, and actually, MVS just wasn't really getting thrown to as much, I think, before this last game. And now I think maybe Mahomes even feels better about throwing to him, too. So they're both going to be maybe, you know, getting open down the field. So. You know, I, I think Sky is gonna, you know, maybe see some reduction, uh, you know, in 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 snaps overall too, because Rice is taking over his slot snaps, and then Watson is earning outside receiver
2: snaps. You hit on something there I want to get to in the next segment, but as, as far as the Chiefs injury report, the rest of it, Mike Edwards full practice hit the, with the elbow, uh, Jerick McKinnon on full practice with the growing. And then, of course, Justin Watson with the elbow full practice. Nick Bolton did not practice. That's kind of out there. Right. He, they haven't made a decision on him yet. He had the surgery. Yeah, on I, for the wrist. I think, gotta
4: think he's IR. He is IR. But the Chiefs have made a habit of this of waiting till Saturday to to like, kind of make the move. So waiting I'd, for
2: their decision.
4: Yeah, they'll play out the week, and I'm sure you'll see that that come through sometime Saturday.
2: As far as the Broncos, Dwayne Washington, the running back, did not practice. Justin Simmons limited practice and I uh, think Baron Justin, Browning a full practice.
4: I think Justin Simmons will be fine. I mean, he was at the podium today complaining about how the NFL suspended Kareem Jackson for yeah. four. and now yeah. it's guy. been appealed down to 2 games. Uh, and so seems like he's got a lot of energy right now. I think I think he'll be playing despite the limited status on
2: Wednesday. And Justin I didn't see the days would be usually with the Broncos it's about are you ever going to beat them? <laughs> it's always like even Von yeah. Miller back before he went to Buffalo was asked that question at nauseam. And we'll get into the wide receivers and other positions. Ron Kopp, lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride, in the studio with us here. So we don't have to break off a phone call to Ron Kopp. Let's at of course, Pete Sweeney. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and look. Oh, by the way, also the mailbag, the questions, 913 586 7610 for the last segment of the show. Get your uh, questions
1: in now. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent,
2: your uh, comments to our mailbag, nine one three five eight six seven six ten the J Southland tow Service text line, Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, arrowhitpride.com, where three times a week you can now get the premier newsletter if you sign up for that. Not once, not twice, but three times.
4: Yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, Ron helps us after the game with a, a first in-depth look at at what he sees in the game behind the game, and you get that in the morning after the game when we end up having two more newsletters throughout the week, a further game review from John Ledyard, who's an NFL draft expert and film expert. And then we preview the next game on Thursdays. And so if you want to look into more of that, it's arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. So check it out.
2: Yeah. Check out the newsletter. Braun Kopp, the lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride, as Pete just mentioned, does fantastic work all the time over there. And I had a good chance to work with him over the draft. This previous year, man, oh, mean, yeah. we had fun with that. I'm still doing draft stuff. like character concerns each and every week. Of course week. You are. are. you ready for the 2024 <laughs> NFL draft? I'm ready in Detroit, man. And let me tell you something about these receivers, Ron. Oh, gosh. Hey. 6'3", a lot of them Six three, six four. speed. I mean, there is some... Keon talent.
3: Coleman's the only one I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm super aware of. So. They're,
2: they're neighbors, you name so, it, yeah. but anyway, it's going to happen, and at the end of the first round, who cares, because there's probably going to be five or six quarterbacks gone, so... Are you
4: quietly hinting that maybe the Chiefs had a plan in not overpaying for a aging veteran receiver and spending that money on defensive free agency? I, yeah,
2: I think seven out of ten draft picks well, two years ago on defense, five out of seven on uh, defense this past year. Yeah, Uh back this back This this, is why we'll talk about receivers here, but this is why I always said Rasheed Rice, I felt had more pressure than Sky Moore. Sky Moore's first year, because Sky Moore was just a guy, you know, develop whenever you want. Rice is counted on, man. Like they're going to be counting on this guy for what they're doing. He has stepped up in that role and I've used it, uh, Ron, like a, like baseball managers do. Pete used to work for the, the Tampa Bay Rays. You can't get this. But yeah. managers you always ask him who's your sixth and then guys, seventh and eighth, and always say, Ask me in three weeks, like when the season starts. Right. Because they try out a bunch of guys. Who wants that ball? It's yeah. how HDH was formed in Kansas City. Who wants the ball? Who can we trust in these situations? I used to call it the Ned Yost circle of trust. Well, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes circle of trust. Which receivers are well, going to snag that opportunity? Kadarius Tony did not sky Moore his not, but Rasheed Rice has. They've did
4: the, they've done the same thing, but on the defensive side for years now, where they have a lot of defensive backs in camp. They've also done it at the running back position, where it's like which of these ten running backs do we have in camp is going to emerge, uh, and it and it's worked. Now it doesn't always work. Sometimes you have a, a lot of players at the position, and no one really steps up and. You I, I think even in the defensive back conversation, we had that with Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams and where Dave Merritt was openly like, I wish one of these guys would grab the position. But those are still two quality players, and they've continued to rotate them. But I, I think there was a, a method to the madness of the Chiefs keeping seven receivers, and I think like nine have been active now, right? And you're seeing that everyone got ample opportunity, and uh, as Macho Man used to say, the cream rises to the top, brother. <laughs> and uh, you're starting to see Rice, I, I think, Uh, earn that earn that rule
3: well what i would say too is like you you could almost say like well how can you tell like who mahomes trusts or like you know you can't you don't know like you know what's happening in the you know behind the scenes like who they're given the best routes to no if, if you watch the games closely you can see that Mahomes is much more comfortable throwing to Rice in tight window situations, you know, in situations where he may not be open at that exact moment. There was a, a play in the Vikings game I highlighted for the site where and Mahomes talked about it in, a, in, a, in a press conference where he threw he threw it where he didn't. He, Rice shouldn't have known to even like try to go for that. He was like covered and, and Mahomes tried to throw it where he would have kept going, where he was. It's basically just like he was like it was a veteran move. I didn't expect him to do that, but I threw it because like he trusted him like a veteran. Like well, that's basically why he threw that.
4: Even this touchdown this last last game, bank the yeah.
3: flo- floating it over three
4: defenders in the back of the end. Like you're not just doing that with someone you don't trust. After going through two reads too, that
2: was his third yeah. read. It's all about trust. That's what helps down at Camp Pat when these guys go down to Texas develop that rapport and just get better and better when he finds that trust factor with different guys. It's like you, you're going on Friday night, you're single, you call your guy it's the best wingman. Like you're not calling somebody else, you're calling your best guy for that. That's right. Pete Sweeney. Pete Sweeney, call Pete Sweeney. But James Palmer of NFL Network has been here for a few games here in Kansas City. He was at this past one uh, with the Chargers. And I found these two cuts interesting about the receivers and trust in the receivers. Get your guys' opinion on this. This is what he said on game day on NFL Network, and then I'll play what he says after the game when it comes to the Chiefs receivers.
5: Remember, on Wednesday, the Kansas City Chiefs made a trade to bring back former wide receiver Macol Hardeman, who's also expected to play in this game. That trade and him being on the field is a direct example of where things stand at the wide receiver position in Kansas City. To my understanding, it's two things. One, a lot of new pieces. And two, a lack of trust with Mahomes in this group, which could lead to two things to keep your eye on today. One, Mahomes is running the football at a higher clip than he has in his NFL career. And two, the downfield passing attack has struggled. He has the fourth lowest passer rating on downfield passes in the NFL. But multiple sources in the in the Chiefs building have told me this, that they have been beyond impressed with the way Mahomes has handled this situation. He has been frustrated, but he also has been a tremendous coach on the field throughout the week and during game days. They know eventually this is going to turn the corner.
2: Okay, that's what he said before the game with the Chargers, though. This afterwards, this all comes down to Mahomes
5: trusting the receivers who's going to step up. Because we know what Travis Kelsey was able to do once again, Uh, going for a gazillion yards uh, and having a million of them in the first half and Patrick Mahomes and him working something together. But we've always been constantly talking about this wide receiver group and how are things coming. I got some intel being there uh, this past Sunday. And what stands out to me, Steve, is the way that Patrick Mahomes has handled this process with these new pieces, with some younger guys like Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice and, and how he's gone about the process of the week and during the game. I've been told coaches have been almost in awe of the way he's had patience with this process, the way he has been a coach on the field during practice, during games, the way he's put the effort in. And I mentioned that word patience. Steve, how many top tier quarterbacks do you think have a lot of patience when things are not working with a certain player or a certain group? They sometimes don't have it. Some of the greats haven't had it. This is an aspect of Patrick Mahomes' game. They mentioned maybe another tool in his toolbox in terms of making him a better player and a better, more complete quarterback in the long run. Because of this struggle here, you saw his play with the receivers a little bit better in this game. It's turning a corner in a sense, it seems.
2: It's interesting stuff from James Palmer, NFL Network there, in Ron and Pete, as far as these receivers are trusted.
4: He said opposite things. It was like first, huh? he, he said opposite things. First, it was like you
2: know that. Well, it was before that's so what I'm saying. Yeah. It's before the game. Then there was after the game. Right. But the new tool in the toolbox, how he could relate to his receivers. Sure. Because you're right. It was different. It was a different complex of what he was saying. And so I wanted to play it because of what he said before the game and then clearly after the game a little bit different. But again, we talk about the Mahomes circle of trust and we've seen Rasheed Rice start to uh, dash. As a matter of fact, his snap counts, uh, Rasheed Rice. 31%, 18%, 51%, that was against the Bears where everybody played, 46%, then only 30%, then 49%, now 59%. Will we hit seventy nine percent? Well, and most of that is coming
3: in the slot, and that and that's the main thing to me is that that's why you're seeing maybe Tony may not have as many snaps. You know, that's why you maybe see Sky not get as many snaps in the slot position. You know, with Watson out, I think he was going to get more outside receiver snaps. Now again, I think you're going to see Sky snaps being limbo. But yeah, it's because Rice is so good at the things the Chiefs want from their slot receivers. Whether it's catching a pass quickly and getting upfield, right? We've seen him do that very well. Whether it's catching a pass over the middle and, and in between defenders and getting upfield, we've seen him do that well. He's he has strong hands. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why he's the primary slot receiver for the Chiefs right now.
4: Yeah, I, I've just been really impressed in, in just the fact that he's a rookie. I
3: mean, this is it, the, yeah.
4: a new thing that we really haven't seen since like, I believe like the days of Tyree Kill, where you're you're seeing a rookie grasp a, a role uh, in the offense. And of course, it's not Hill. It's that's a different type of player. And I, I just think it, it's the type of receiver that the Chiefs needed, especially as Juju Smith-Schuster went to the New England Patriots and. Remember, the Chiefs were trying to get Juju back and it kind of ended up being a blessing in disguise that he ended up in New England with all the injury problems Mm -hmm. and that afforded Rice the opportunity to to do what he's doing. And, you know, it it said 60 yards on the stat sheet, but had him and Mahomes connected down the right sideline, he might have had that first 100-yard game of his career. They were were that close to, to, to getting it.
2: This is what I've always liked about him. At SMU, he had 96 catches. Second closest to him at SMU was 37 and then 28, meaning he did everything. Yeah. And Mahomes that guy too at Texas Tech, Tech. I mean, again, you finding guys in college football that literally did everything for their football team.
3: Well, I was going to say too is, is 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 what he has done as a rookie. A lot of the things you know are, are things that he necess- he wasn't necessarily doing you know very well at SMU, and not to say that he wasn't good at them, but it was he was known for going up and getting it over guys downfield. Right? we we were we were uh, you know scouting him as this true X receiver where he is really you know going up and getting down through running vertical routes. That's the one thing he really hasn't done for the Chiefs offense yet, which is which is amazing because, you know, if he kind of, you know, starts to put that together too, you're talking about an all-around receiver doing pretty much anything you can ask for from in the Chiefs offense,
2: and that's exactly what Andy Reid wants in a wide receiver. Now, flipping it over to the secondary, looking at a few things, Ron, because it's really – you think about the strength of this Chiefs defense. They're sixth against to pass in the NFL. I mean, they're really clamping down. You had a, a stat out on Twitter, Ron, that was pretty good um at ron underscore cop through seven weeks the chiefs leader and passes defender defended his safety justin reed surprising right he has six tied with two others for second most by a safety in the nfl philly's uh reed blanket chip leads the way with seven this is interesting because i felt and i brought it up with pete on the uh, post game show I-, I feel they're getting the best of justin reed this year i mean he's hitting the way you see in the field it's been much different but Justin Reed really playing that safety position like they want. It's a tough position in the secondary because Dave Merritt's back there. Steve is the secondary guy. Like, that is tough because you're under the microscope.
3: Well, no, I was on with, uh, you know, Pete and Dusty last week kind of talking about how Justin Reed was an underrated player because he was playing such clean football. You know, he just wasn't making mistakes, you know, doing exactly what he's supposed to do. And it may not be the flashiest thing. But you're actually seeing where, you know, he is starting to make more plays. You know, last year he had seven passes broken up all year. Six already this year. You know, we're not even halfway through the season. And I actually kind of noted, I actually had an article this week about how the Chiefs pass defense is elite. And it's because of the secondary. It's because of how the coverage is playing. And one reason is, uh, you know, in this Chargers game, there are a few, uh, uh, you know, points where you can see Justin Reed kind of anticipate plays. He actually... Really early in the game, he jumped a slant route and, and uh, Jer- Justin Herbert came off it, threw it somewhere else. But I'm telling you, Herbert's a very smart quarterback. A lot of other quarterbacks aren't seeing that safety and are just going to throw that slant route. And Justin Reed might have had a pick six pretty early. It's it's one of those things where he is seeing the field really well and doing exactly what he's supposed to do. But now he's kind of adding to that by making more plays outside of his uh, just his responsibility. I, I'm not sure when
4: it was, but if you've been looking at Justin Reed's social media in the past few days, he dressed up as Jack Sparrow. Yeah look just like him. captain captain jay
3: captain justin sparrow <laughs> I'm man blocked. A, I'm man blocked, in the defensive so backfield I, I can't see his Twitter you're blocked i'm blocked wow Reed. i don't
2: blame him for that am i insane to think that drew Tranquil is <laughs> one of the better signings that i've seen with the chiefs for the longest time because this guy the way like i was shocked they got him on a one-year contract because drew did everything for the chargers blitz the quarterback great coverage used him on sunday already the best coverage linebacker for the chiefs we knew that coming in he's one of the best in the nfl but they him step it up and he's going to step up for nick bolton again but that signing under the radar signing, that was a great signing by Brad Veach.
3: Let me flip it on you, though, because I think it's, everyone's kind of been saying, you know, such a great signing. I'm going to play devil's advocate, you know, with this Nick Bolton thing, you know, a couple months maybe having him out. You know, Nick Bolton's a heck of a run defender. I think that's one area where he's much better than Drew Tranquil, even though Tranquil made plays against the run. Teams like the Miami Dolphins, teams like the Philadelphia Eagles coming up on the schedule without Bolton, that's where Tranquil is going to be tested. And, you know, those teams could maybe take advantage of him not being the same kind of run defender as Nick Bolton.
2: Matt McGolan put this out, Pete. This is interesting. Chris Jones seven pressures in the last game. George Kittle off the six. Aminu, what is what a breakout for him? It's already good, but for the Chiefs, four combined for seventeen pressures between those guys. Yeah. Herbert was under pressure on forty-one percent of his dropbacks, but they were doing the small things, little things. You know, batting the ball down. And Aminu yeah. did make a difference. I think it
4: was. What is different about this defense, and this is where they can enter the realm of top five slash, like, top one, I think in previous seasons, and, Jay, you could tell me if you agree with this or not, like, Steve Spagnuolo had to be really creative because it was younger players and weren't as skillful. They had to do mixed blitzes, exotic blitzes, and bring pressure from different areas. Whereas, like, this combination of Karloftis and Jones and Amenahu and now Dana— you don't really need to orchestrate pressure. I mean, why
2: Frank Clark's in Seattle now.
4: <laughs> they're going to get there. And so if the coverage is good, if the linebackers are good at the second level and then the defensive backs are, are great at the third level and you're orchestrating this pressure and getting to the quarterback by rushing four. I mean, that was the key for so long of beating the Chiefs. And now the Chiefs have that weapon on their side.
3: Well, I just I just wanna say too to your point, you know, they've been always really creative up front, right? Like they've always kinda, you know, had to get creative with their pressure. But, you know, with the younger secondary it was maybe, you know, hey, you know, you just gotta play your man but now they're getting creative in the back end and the front can just be all right, go after the quarterback because the back end is forcing Herbert. Actually, Karloff does a sack on Sunday. It's because Herbert had to f- hold on to the ball because no one was open, eventually get sacked. So, yeah, the coverage is helping the pass rush, whereas, you know, we're always used to the pass rush helping the coverage in Kansas City. They
2: would love to face you, Ron cop <laughs> They would have loved love that. to face you, my friend. <laughs> wow. You mean take care of the ball. Just when I thought I was free, Take Pete. care of Just the ball. I thought I was wow. Making the money. Anyway, this is at Pride Radio. James producing the operation. We'll take a timeout and we'll look forward. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Chiefs versus Broncos. Again, Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, editor in chief, arrowheadpride.com, premier newsletter. You name it. He's editor in chief of everything. And our Chiefs insider. And uh, one of the insiders on the post game show, and Ron Kopp, lead analyst for Arrowhead Pride here on Arrowhead Pride Radio. And I still don't have a hat. Um, <laughs> Chiefs have gone from the 32nd defense to need, the
4: 31st. You need a hat for that dome.
2: I I do your I'm, I do the Aaron post game Show. You the know the lights
4: are going off that dome into my eyes. <laughs> uh, you know what
2: I had here about uh, ten eleven years. <laughs> it's <ago>, pointing right. <laughs> I mean it's it's right there. You know it's still my favorite picture I've ever taken. Well, actually, I, there's a couple nights that I remember when you and I had a schedule release show at like midnight or whatever because it was after the Royals postgame. I've been doing this highlights. long
4: enough now where I remember the schedule release wasn't was it still was not, not a that big popular deal. yet. I had to fight yeah.
2: for our pd did did (laughs) let us come on after the royals game and now it's like a big deal it's on all the morning shows and everything else it was good it is but the the picture of you sitting back watching yourself on tv that's what pete was watching pete yeah why wouldn't you be why wouldn't you be
4: uh you had that channel on i didn't put myself that was the best with pete
2: he's back smiling i love that picture i still love that picture absolutely so the chase are playing in denver Uh, this weekend. So Gil from 32nd defense, 31st back to 32nd. The Broncos did play the chiefs. Uh, well, even though the chiefs were double digit underdogs is still covered in that game. I will add Saturday night, 69% uh, chance of some rain chance of snow, 69, 70% snow accumulating one to three inches Sunday snow showers, early peaks of sunshine later. So won't be snowing when they play. There might be some remnants of the snow. Patrick Mahomes does love the snow. I love a good snow game as yeah. well. But uh, your thoughts, Ron, on on going back and playing Denver. Can they can they keep the same magic? Because Andy Reid mentioned today in this press conference when someone asked him, uh, do you use a lot of the same plan you did against them? And he goes, no, if you do that, you're going to be in trouble. So expect a different game plan. Well, that makes sense, right? I mean,
3: you know, Sean Payton's a smart enough coach. You know, they're a smart enough staff over there. You know, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, they they did get run out of the, the, uh, you know, off the field until the red zone last game, right? I mean, the Chiefs really just got anything they wanted on offense until the red zone last game. So you'd say, okay, well, hey, you know, I, I think they'd be fine if they did go in, in, in with the same game plan. But, no, I think I think the Chiefs, you know, especially if it is any little, you know, snowy conditions or, or anything, just lean on the ground game in this game. You know, you got a bye week coming up in a couple weeks. You have the London game coming up against Miami. Um, you know, I, I just think, you know, hey, just lean on Frank the ground. For- I said, wrong I said, country, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Germany. Germany. Look at the Go wrong on. defender again. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Jay. So yeah, no, I, I, I just it's feel pick like six. lean on the ground game. Let Pacheco do his thing against the Denver run defense, which, you know, that's the reason Miami put up seventies because they were, they're a run team and they were able to gash them over and over. Do that with Pacheco. He's, he's feeling himself right
2: now. Speaking of Pacheco, you had a chance to sit down and interview yes. Isaiah Pacheco. It's on arrowheadpride.com as well. And you had some nice uh, footage there of Trey Smith kind of Clearing a path. You happy with Pacheco at this point? Do you think Pacheco can be that guy? For the Kansas City Chiefs, dude, I, I his will, hands have been incredible.
3: I will say, I'm someone that you know coming into this year was like, okay, Macheco's is definitely the lead back, but definitely more of an early down back. Someone that you know you will have to complement with a three, a third down back, you know, a Jarek McKinnon. But you know, something he actually talked about in the interview is you know he 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 does feel like the coaches trust him on third downs. He's feeling that that they trust him to pass protect, you know, pick up guys, and he has done well at that this year. But also in the checkdown area. He's actually fifth in the, on the team in receiving yards right now. He has more receiving yards than Sky Moore and Noah Gray. Um, so he is, he is a contributor in this pass game, and it's because he is doing a good job of getting uh, to the check down on time, you know, doing it in, with good timing and getting upfield and getting the most of those plays. He's, he's had a few good games uh, this year in the receiving game.
2: My favorite play, Pete, was when uh, Mahomes was kind of pointing to Pacheco to uh, pass yeah. block, pass protect. Right, it, it was all a ruse. You know, it was a fake deal. Then yeah, yeah, he sneaks yeah. out of there and scores a touchdown. That might have been one of my favorite plays for the Chiefs this year.
4: Mahomes is really smart, uh, and and you've seen a lot of that pre-snap. I believe what you're talking about is pre-snap, but he does that a lot when he's on the run. He calls was for pre-snap block. for pass yeah. protection. He calls for he calls for blocks, and so I'm sure that is something that these defenders, even though it was pre-snap saw on film that he does this while he's scrambling a little bit, calling for blocks and it probably registered in their brain. Oh, I've seen this before. Uh, You know, this is something where, um, you know, he's going to block for him and lo and behold, you know, he hits him really quickly and, and goes and gets the score and, uh, Dusty decided to skip this show so he could go celebrate uh, his big win. And yeah, he's he at T-Mobile Center he needed- <laughs> doing some
2: <laughs> jam on it, it,
4: that, uh, that was a $2,000 Isaiah Pacheco touchdown for Dusty. Did I ever tell oh you the? Gosh, uh, wow. Did I ever
2: tell That's you awesome. I listened to for Eckler me. last week, and he was talking about werewolves, yeah. and he was calling Chris Jones a werewolf, and he said good defensive players are werewolves, and I sent it to Dusty. He said, you need this for the show. And he cut <laughs> it, and he, he came on after hours. That'll, the whole after hours talk. All yeah. right, Pete. Mahomes is 12-0 and against the Broncos. 9-1 in his against the Raiders, 8-2 against the Chargers. He loves the AFC West. He's undefeated on the road, knock right. on wood. 16-0 well, and 0 in the division on the road. The Broncos haven't beaten the Chiefs the last 16 yeah. times.
4: I mean, it, it's incredible. So you're looking at a game here, Jay, where if the Chiefs win, they will now have won a, an entire regular season in a row against the Broncos. And <laughs> one – one other thing that and it
2: was seven wins in a row for the Broncos now, before this started now.
4: And, and this, this, you know, is when I kind of first started, this goes back to 2015. If, if you kind of close your eyes and just think about how annoying it was when Peyton Manning was killing the chiefs and it just felt like this never ending thing where you were never going to get out of this terrible situation. Like, could you have ever imagined if you can put yourself back then like, Oh, you're going to get, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, in the draft. And by the way, uh, when he starts playing the Broncos, he will have an opportunity to do something no other quarterback has ever done, and that's beat a single opponent 13-0 and the first 13 times that they play him uh, in his career. So it, it just seemed, I think at the time, an impossible uh, situation to reverse, and it has completely reversed, and then some. I mean, and because not only uh, have you reversed what Peyton was doing, but that was at the end of his career. There's still another 10 years of this that the Broncos have to deal with it. So uh, a huge milestone ahead. Uh, Again, no no player has ever started their first 13 games against one opponent and one in NFL history. Mahomes has that opportunity on Sunday.
2: Broncos last win, 9-17-2015 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Ron, you were probably throwing picks at that yeah. point in your life. Dang, you know, like, hey, he he
3: stole, he stole my job. I was going to say, <laughs> the last time, the last I time up, Denver went, I, that's what I was doing. Although, it, hey, that was early in the season. I That was after my five touchdown games.
4: So. In 2015, There, I looked it up this morning because I just was curious about what was going on. Barack Obama was the, the president of the United States. Uh, Taylor Swift had a number of number one songs. When the Broncos last won, I believe it was on that, what was it like that fluke fumble by uh oh yeah, Jamal? Jamal yeah.
2: I was still married,
4: yeah, you were still married, you still had your pizza cutter, which yeah, was big, I still had the pizza cutter. and the number one song at the time was Watch Me Whip, Watch Me oh, Nay Nay. No. Yes, that was oh, the number no. one song in America.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, oh 2015,
4: what a time! My yeah. second year, on, that was my second year on the Chiefs beat. I'm in, I'm in year 10. It you know, uh, was
2: funny as I was going through an old box for some winter, like winter gear and stuff. And I pulled out a stocking cap from the 2014 Royals, so a year before that, the World Series. Hey, you, you had a beautiful like, head of hair. Thanks, Pete. You're no, still working. I, I don't. Henry, uh, you, you commented on the boldness I w- going on here. I
4: was in the Henry. I'm, I was in the Henry seat, you know, at that time, a yeah. long time ago.
3: I was, that's, I was listening to that at lunch break in high school. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was I a loyal 610
4: listener from back in the day. I saw the magic Pete a long
2: time ago. No,
3: yeah. wonder you were you? No no wonder you weren't in the right
4: mind frame not to throw pick. Yeah, yeah, I saw I mean, the yeah, magic Pete before
2: my games what was like doing. <laughs> that's right. That's was right. I this waiting you through interception. <laughs> listening to Jay. J, listening not
4: some calm music like Watch
2: Me
3: Whip Watch Me Nate
2: Yeah, no, That was,
3: I was uh, no, it was my senior year 2015 though. you know, high school season. Yeah.
4: Oh my yeah.
2: goodness. I had re- I to do the Royals inside, insider job for Vern there for half a year. Yeah. And I'll never forget, Ron actually made a stop to the trailer when he was in oh, high yeah. school and Gate A left field. we had the uh, the pregame, we had the trailer mm. we did. it. And old Ron had come by because was... he was friends with my daughter in high school. And, uh, and she was and, a manager.
3: She was a football manager. Yeah. And they, she and saw and it, the six interceptions in person. Wow. Yeah.
2: I think she got, like, two of them. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Anyway, the
3: show is off the rails.
2: We'll do mailbag next. Send them in, 913 586 And welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio. Jay Binkley with the editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com, Mr. Pete Sweeney, and, of course, Ron Kopp, lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride. This is presented by Mark Ferguson, the attorney that's been helping KC sports fans with all their legal needs since 1996. Integrity results. That's Mark Ferguson. 913-586-7610 is the Jay Southland Toast Service text line. And the first one, Pete, from 913, how long does this show go? My power is out, and they estimated seven forty-five restoration.
4: What time are we out?
2: Are you going to be on till nine? No, we're going to be out in Alex Gold at the betting show on at seven o'clock. So we're we've got another six or seven minutes. Hopefully, seven minutes. yeah, hopefully you can catch the rest of this, but it's going to be podcasted.
4: Yeah, we'll put it on the James Hourhead will Pride. throw it right up there. So James, you can listen it, James the will be on six ten, and then we'll have it on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network as well as the
2: AP Radio Report. What the hell is the power going out? Always seems to go out. Is it, it rain? It hasn't been
4: raining for forty-eight hours straight, or anything. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to slander uh, good old Evergy, but sometimes the wind blows a little too hard, and we lose power for the evening.
2: From the nine-one-three, why did they continue? <laughs> huh? Sorry. Hot take. Nine-one-three. <laughs> why did they continue to throw C-H out there? Of course, they put him in. He had to drop pass. Why, Pete? Why?
4: I don't know. I you know I usually I have something here I don't I don't get it myself uh, I I I'd imagine part of it it goes into uh, there's a very clear direction of, that the team is going in of of saving Jarek McKinnon I think that's abundantly clear uh, we know why they're doing that you've seen what Jarek McKinnon can do uh, in December and January Isaiah Pacheco can't take every single snap and it goes to the other running back I don't anticipate he'll be getting the carries uh you know moving forward in in that late stretch of the year uh, very clearly the the third best running back on the roster but they'll work him in when they feel like they need to and I, I think everything i just said is is probably the reason why
3: well and the thing i'd add to that is is yeah i i think i would have thought we wouldn't see as much of a workhorse kind of role for pacheco yet um you know just to kind of save him a little bit too but i think you're kind of seeing them forced to because Unfortunately, 25 is, is pretty ineffective when he gets handed the ball. So I think they're kind of forced to lean on Pacheco a lot. Uh, you know, he's getting a, a lot of carries. He's seventh in the NFL in carries right
2: now. When is in case emergency break glass, Ron? Because last year it was McKinnon with nine touchdowns once December started. So they like, okay, he had over 500 yards receiving last year. But really, he's doing a lot of blocking like he's doing now. But in December, they kind of opened it up and said, all right, Jarek, it's your time.
3: Well, right, because he's such a good red zone weapon um, because he's so good in the screen game. He's really good, you know, has good timing. But, you know, he's also good in the screen game because he's going to be in there anyway, obviously, because he's a pass protector. Um, But that's the thing, you know, with Pacheco kind of being more used as a three down back this year, you know, they they can be a little more unpredictable with that. And maybe Pacheco gets a few more of those red zone looks. I mean, he had the screen this year, uh, you know, this week for the touchdown.
2: From the 347, the Chiefs have a six-game winning streak right now. Will The Chiefs lose the game. Or will Bink lose a chugging contest first? Well, you the still, Chiefs will lose a game first because I do not lose in chugging contests. I never have. And, by the way, they've had 11 straight years with at least a five-game winning streak, which is an NFL record. You uh,
4: you still chugging
2: these days? I do once in a while. I break it down. Once chug. in a while.
4: Okay. Well, good to know.
2: Yeah. But I, I think the Chiefs would lose I've one. S- what do you think? What do you guys think? I've Chiefs lose a game or me lose a chugging contest?
4: I've seen you you chug before, and I've seen the Chiefs lose to Indianapolis Colts uh, and, and games. That they so they you're taking me. I probably take you. Yeah, I, 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 think I do. As good as the Chiefs are playing right now, and as complete as they are, like I, I was. Talk- but I've never
5: lost. Yeah. So. I was
4: talking with C. earlier. And I was trying to name the like the ghost game that they'll lose, that everyone would be like, "What the hell happened?" And and to me, the Green Bay Packers and New England Patriots Ooh. are those two teams that, like, for some reason, <laughs> one of these teams going to miraculously beat the Chiefs. Uh, and I don't think Binkle have uh, lost the chugging contest by then.
3: Yeah, I, I can't wait for Bailey Zappi to to, to beat us. That's going to be you know, so Bailey's great. Happy. Or Malik, Jordan Love, Malik.
4: like, just playing the game of his life and <laughs> squeaks it out. And, and then you just wake up and everyone's panicked again. But then they go on, like, a seven-game winning streak and into the Super Bowl. No, but you're right. It used to be I time think...
2: and day with this defense where someone would have a career a day. day. <laughs> Those days are long gone, that, but right. it used to happen. That's right. true.
3: No, but they play Philly and Buffalo, like, right around that time. So, yeah, they'll have that big win against Buffalo. Or big or You know, everyone feel good, and they'll just – Blown in the face yeah no it's a good call we'll, we'll be circling back in to the, the last six weeks of the year
2: the Chiefs have a stretch sharp football pointed this out where they have less rest than all their opponents yeah the final sixth week so that's something to keep an eye on I know the Chief's schedule is not looked upon what 23rd in the league but there is that quotient in there as far as less rest there
4: and once they get through this Broncos game not to into the trap game stuff but there is some meat there on the schedule i mean it'll be interesting to see how well they do against
2: these other teams ron uh this one for you from the 816 how much are you uh looking forward to the chiefs in germany at 8 30 in the morning to play the fins you know
3: i don't mind the morning games uh i'm kind of i mean it will be kind of weird to cover a game first thing in the morning i guess you know i, I you know usually you can kind of get some you know you don't have to fully pay attention to the morning game i can't wait. Game.
4: Because you get the afternoon. That's we, true. We'll actually get the afternoon window. You can that actually is, watch the night game. The afternoon true. No, <laughs> the so afternoon When too. they play well, they, for me, I and they and when they will. The only as in a coverage standpoint, the only games you'll really miss is that early window of games. But we should be done around four o'clock. So yeah. we'll, we'll get to watch the yeah. Just sit back I, and relax. I, I go it's about two ways. or
2: three hours after, about three and a half hours after each and every game. Not, but uh, looking forward to it. It's eight thirty in the morning. It's a little weird, but I love. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of these, some of these matchups that we've seen overseas, but I'll be honest with you. Nothing I like better than getting up at eight in the morning and watching football. I, I mean, it is so, I, I feel like I'm in the West coast.
3: I will say that there's no denying this, like it's not going to feel like a big game. You think we are getting
2: up at 6:30 in the morning and watch the Chiefs?
3: Heck no. I mean, they could be, but like, it's just not, it's, it's not going to feel like a big game. Is like, that no a
2: day
4: what. bank? And you're an expert at this. Is that a day that Kansas Cityans can, can crack their first one? About 8:00 a.m. shower they, beer. This yeah. town loves
2: the English Premier League, right? They go out sure. and drink their pints and everything right. early in the morning. This is get ready for early in the morning football. Will
4: you be having a, a, a little, little man, brewski?
2: I do the uh, I do always do the college football segment about two hours and 15 minutes before the Chiefs game on the, <laughs> the network. So I'll be going oh, at wow. 5.45 in the morning the I think uh, think day I gotta, before. Uh, I think
4: I'm doing TV in, or before. It's, yeah. on, it's on NBC. So you usually be, be are on right when right I go
2: on. I go on about two hours and 15 minutes before the uh, – for the uh, college football segment. So I will be. Uh, I'll be in bed. I don't even know if there's time to swing by any of the uh, fast food establishments for some breakfast. Oh, yeah. Dunkin' Donuts. They're, oh, they're bringing it in, I think. Dunkin' I Donuts? Time. Oh, Dunkin' Donuts place to be open. There Double chocolate. Open. Great donut. Well, I'll stop by Quick Trip because they never close. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, Love me right, some on. Quick Trip. Lamar's
3: Donuts. Love me some Quick Trip.
2: That's right. Huh? Lamar's Donuts, too. Shout out Lamar's. I got a Quick Trip hot dog the other day.
3: Oh, I used to live on this. Hits the spot. Did you know high V gas
2: stations this. actually have Nathan's hot dogs on their rollers? No. Yeah, they do. I was like blown away. Literally, I was like, it's whoa. Like, it's
4: like all, like you're in Coney Island all of a sudden.
2: I was like, whoa. <laughs> Joey Chestnut, stand up.
3: Hey, quick trip mac and cheese. We got to get Fire, you man. in the hot dog contest. That's a good That's a good thought.
2: Let's go. Thanks a ton, James. Thanks a lot, Pete. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, no Pershing problem. you and Dusty, and uh, we'll be on, and Ron will be on. Uh, with you guys uh, next Wednesday night. Ron, always, always good talking to you. Love talking yes, football sir. with Thanks, you, my Jay. friend. Thanks, you Pete. put good work out on Arrowhead Pride and the Arrowhead Pride newsletters. We're talking about the premium. Three times a week, you get this right into your inbox.